Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. We, we started this series and we looked at the book of Colossians and the fact that if you crystallise it into one thing, Paul says to the Colossians, continue in Christ. Don't get waylaid. Don't get distracted. You started well. Continue in Him. And I said to you that the gym model um, is predicated on the fact that we don't continue with things. And that was not meant to guilt anyone out. I know Ryan Murphy goes to the gym regularly. Very, very good. Um, Me, not so much. The model that they trap you into works on me 100%. But he says, continue in Christ and don't get suckered into strange things to pull you out of Christ. Stay in Christ and finish well because all your fullness is in Him. And if you feel like your life is falling apart, He is full. He is fullness for you. And if you are in Him, you are, He is all you need and He will pull you back together. Well, this morning I want to look at another piece, a key piece, a central piece of Paul's letters. We're in this two-week series on the, the uncommon love letters of Paul. And they're uncommon because they bring wisdom to a church that is new on the earth. They bring wisdom to churches in cities and far-flung places that need the love of a spiritual father to show them how to grow up in Christ, to show them how to live as believers, sometimes in very persecuted places. And so this morning, I actually want to talk Talk about the Holy Spirit. He is my favourite thing to talk about. How about you? I love talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And in Paul's letters, the Holy Spirit is the central experience of the churches that Paul oversees. He is the one that reveals Jesus to them. He is the one that brings them to salvation. He is the one that transforms them. He is the one that empowers and strengthens them sometimes in difficult situations. And He is the guarantee on their heart of eternity with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you are uncertain about your eternity. You are in a moment of your life where if someone asked you today, do, where will you go if life ends today? Because all we have is today. There are no guarantees. But you can have in Jesus Christ the guarantee of an eternity with Him in the Spirit. Because the difference between somebody who knows Jesus and someone who doesn't know Jesus is the fact that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He is the seal. He is the guarantee. He is the one that brings you not into morality, out of immorality and morality, and He'll do that too, but He actually brings dead people to life. the, The message of the Gospel is not an ethical one, although it's got an ethical component. It's not a moral one, although it is highly moral. When you are transformed by Jesus Christ, you will walk in Him and live His way. But it is actually the story and the message of dead things coming to life. Dead people coming back to life in Jesus Christ. That is the message of the Gospel. Paul talks constantly about the foundational role of the Spirit. But for Paul, you see, it's not just learnings. Paul is an incredibly learned person. He's 
schooled under Gamaliel. He understands the Spirit from a Jewish lens. He understands with his understanding about the Ruach, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament because he was present there, filling artists, leading them through the Red Sea, you know, inspiring uh, the greats, inspiring prophetic utterance. He was active in the Old Testament. But actually, when he writes to the churches, it is personal experience. Now, right now, some of you are kind of like clenching your teeth and going, that is like rocky ground to be on. Experience? What? Isn't it all intellectual? Isn't it all biblical? And everything I say, Lord, strike it out if it's not, is biblical. But it is Paul's experience of the Holy Spirit. His experience of the Holy Spirit on the Damascus Road when God encounters him powerfully by His Spirit and saves him and rescues him from a life of destruction persecuting the church. It's the experience of Paul being transformed by the Holy Spirit, being transformed by the power of the Spirit. It's his ministry to the churches, not just with his smarts, he says, not just with words, but a demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. It was experience. And he knew what it was to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit. He knew about fruits and gifts. In fact, Gordon Fee, who is one of my favourite theologians, says, the Spirit covered the whole waterfront. Power for life, growth, fruit, gifts, prayer, witness, everything else. He is the central part of the church. He is the prime mover of the church. It is the Spirit. This isn't Brad Bonholm's church or Christy Mills's church or somebody else's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ where the Holy Spirit moves and breathes and transforms lives and expands the church to vast locations so that many, many come to know Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's church. But we're in a complex era, aren't we? (laughs) We're in an era where I just think I cannot recall in my short 45 years on earth a time of any more change than is going on now. And it's not just lots of change in technology and so forth. It is like life has got more complex. It's like there is a level of complexity in life that I've never seen before. I don't know you. And the issues that we face are complex. And as the church of the 21st century, I believe that we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. He shouldn't be an archaic person that is part of the ancient church. We actually need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. And in fact, believer in the room, we need you full of the Spirit because the world, you need the Holy Spirit and the world needs you full of the Spirit. It actually says in 2 Corinthians 3.3, You show that you are a letter from Christ, a result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God on tablets of stone, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The Holy Spirit wants to write on your heart. So you are a message to the world of His love and His power in the 21st century. So I actually wanna take a, a brief look today about what Paul's letters show us about the Holy Spirit and mostly what he is like as a person. I want to personality profile him. Now, if you are an Enneagram person, he's all the Enneagrams, okay? Andrew, my husband's a four and he thinks the Holy Spirit is that. I'm an eight, I'm definitely sure he's an eight. No, 
I, I want to actually unfold this morning what He is like because He is not an inanimate force. The Holy Spirit through the letters of Paul and through the Word of God is actually a person. He wants to know you today and maybe you've come along and you don't know Jesus Christ today. He wants to know you personally. And I would say that He's been tugging on the strings of your heart. He's been moving on your heart and touching your heart and drawing you with questions you can't answer any other way. So I actually want to start with, He's actually sensitive. He's sensitive. You know, in our day and age, hypersensitivity is seen as um, really um, something negative, right? Uh, They're hypersensitive. They're super triggered. <laughs> they are, they're just um, so emotional. But I like to say, actually, the personality of the Holy Spirit is, He is very sensitive. He's a highly sensitive individual. The way that the Holy Spirit shows up, and He is all God, is highly sensitive. He's the comforter. He's responsive. He is emotional. You felt Him in worship this morning and felt the waves of the Holy Spirit responding to our love, responding to our outpouring of praise this morning. He's sensitive. And it says in Ephesians 4 verse 30 to 32, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Can I read from the message the same Scripture? Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. The Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. It's your breath we sang this morning. It's your breath, Lord, in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. He's the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for Himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. And He speaks about Him as a person. Paul is clear, this is not an inanimate force. He is a person. He's a person and He loves because He is sensitive. He loves to rest and dwell and remain. And we see in the life of Jesus Christ, the fact that the Holy Spirit found a place where He could rest and remain. It actually says in John 1.32, then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Him. You know, it's one thing to sense the presence of God. It's one thing to have an encounter. And at our church, we are all about experiencing and encountering the presence of God. But it's another thing to actually have Him remain with you. And by that, I don't mean losing the Holy Spirit, by the way, because if you are saved, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, you will never lose Him. Even when we are faithless, He is faithful, it says. But I'm talking about the manifest presence of God, where He prompts you in your daily life, where He can speak to you freely because you are open, where He can actually move in your life and bring correction, encouragement, where you can be driving in your car and because His presence remains, you are sensitive and open to hearing His voice and sensing His touch. When I became a mum um, nearly eight years ago, 
I remember experiencing um, the concept, uh, the experience of sensitivity acutely, probably for one of the first times in my life. I'd known sensitivity, I'd known different things and, and, and sensitive to ideas and people and, and a level of intuition. But when that baby was born, I became sensitive to atmospheres. What's it like in here? Is it cynical? I don't want the baby to be in a cynical atmosphere. Is there smoke? Is there, is the noise too loud? I'll never forget uh, on one Australia day after Ollie was born and he would have only been maybe around about three months old. And I remember with Andrew and I wheeling our baby in our designer pram that just second one, who gives a rip as long as it's got wheels, right? First baby. <laughs> wheeling him up and going to an Australia Day fireworks demonstration near our, our home in the Sutherland Shire. And I remember the onslaught of agony that happened after it. As I could, I'm like, what's the baby thinking about all these noise, loud noises and bangs, the total darkness, the feeling of chaos in this place? And I turned to Andrew and said to him, babe, I'm done, we're out of here. We are done because the atmosphere is assaulting me um, because I was sensitive to it. There was a new sensitivity. You know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it says um, he can be grieved, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's talking about, um, it actually connects it, Paul connects it with the choices that we make in relationship, believe it or not. We as Christians and I, I, as believers, I love our worship. I love our atmospheres. Who enjoyed worship this morning? I just thought Stacey was absolutely phenomenal leading. The team just did an amazing job. Um, I love our atmospheres. But God actually, Paul makes the point here that the Holy Spirit is interested and responds to our relational dynamics as well when it comes to sensitivity. That bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander and malice and unforgiveness grieves the Spirit of God. It's one thing to encounter Him, to have an incredible encounter and I praise God for it. But God, I want You to remain with me. I, want, I don't wanna grieve the Spirit of God. And God, if I need to change my sensitivity, if I need to grow in my spiritual maturity, do you wanna know what the definition according to this of spiritual maturity is? Not your prophetic ability, that's great. Not your ability to speak in tongues for a long time, although that's amazing too and we cultivate that here. Not your ability to be in the Word and that is amazing too. Actually, God is saying here through Paul's writings, your spiritual maturity is, the measurement of your spiritual maturity is the smallness of the gap between the Holy Spirit prompting you and you making it right in relationship. Do you know my spiritual maturity is measured not by my sermon prep, not by my time in the Word, but actually when I've had a Barney with my husband and the Holy Spirit says, go back and apologise. Go and make it right. Go, but, what, but he did it. But I'm talking to you. But I'm talking to you. Spiritual sensitivity. You know, there is a sensitivity that the Holy Spirit requires. A sensitive Holy Spirit requires sensitive saints. Saints that are sensitive to his promptings, responsive to his voice 
sensitive to what He's saying, not distracted and on our own agenda, but God's sensitive. What is your number one priority now in my home? What is your number one priority with me? in my walk with you. God, right now, not not 10 years ago, not five years ago, not in the future, but in this moment, Holy Spirit, what is your priority? Because I open my life to you. There's an author and a speaker called R.T. Kendall, and I enjoy his work so much. And he wrote a book called Pigeon Religion. And he contrasted in the book, Pigeon Religion, The fact that pigeons and doves are very similar anatomically. In fact, pigeons look like grey doves. They look super similar. Some of them are even light in colour and can masquerade as doves. But pigeons are distinctly different. They're territorial, they're chaotic, they're loud, they can be bullies, they can fight. Doves, not so. Gentle, sensitive, easily spooked, so to speak. And in the book, he tells the story of a couple that were in Israel and had taken out an apartment, a rental, and a dove had come to roost on the balcony of their apartment. The dove had taken a home and they, as a spiritual couple, thought, you know, it's beautiful. It's like a symbol of God's blessing and kissing this decision that that we're involved with Israel and that we're ministering here and stuff. But they, and they just cherished this dove. But they started to notice that every time they slammed a door, every time they spoke harshly to each other, every time it got heated in the home, the dove would go, the dove would lift. And they, they told their friend about it. Um, we love the dove. The friend's like, you enjoying it? Yeah, we're loving having the dove here. We're cherishing it. It's really beautiful. But every time this happens, the dove lifts. And the friend said to them, you know, it looks to me like either the dove adapts to you or you adapt to the dove. Either the dove adapts to you, he will lift, or you adapt to the dove. I feel a sense of God saying it is time for some families and homes and individuals to begin adapting to the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, changing your life, readjusting things. God, I open my heart afresh. What's His priority with you today? Second thing about Him though, is not only is He sensitive, but he desires to move freely. He desires to move freely, not trapped, not caged. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is deeply committed to working through you, to speaking through you, to prompting you, to showing you like Ezekiel, what are the next steps? Now I've got your agreement, let me show you what the next steps are. Do you know, He awakens hearts again. He brings us back to life when we are sleepy in God, it's the Holy Spirit that will prompt us back to life. 
He will soften hard hearts. He will use open hearts. He will warm cold hearts. He will bring seemingly disparate hearts back together again. He will heal rifts. He wants to move through you. But one thing He won't do is He won't violate your will. The Holy Spirit wants to move. He's committed to moving through you and working through you and bringing transformation through you, but He won't violate your will. You know, Paul knew what it was like to resist the Holy Spirit. You know, on the road to Damascus, when he has the encounter with the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, um, the words to him at first are, Paul, Paul, Why are you resisting me? Why are you resisting me? He knew what it was like to resist. And Paul, out of that experience of his own resistance, actually says to the Thessalonians, you know what, you can quench the Spirit. You can actually snuff Him out, extinguish Him, pour cold water on His activity in your life. You know, He will still move and He will still try and He will still prompt, but you get to make the decision as to whether He will move freely in your life, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your witness to other people. We actually get to make that decision. But the challenge is we become desensitised because it starts with grieving him and then it continues in quenching him. If I could have the keys up, that'd be great. You know, we actually get the decision to respond to his touch and his voice. And I really sense today that there are people in here that God is, has been trying to reach. I, I really sense there is men in here and you have the gift and the call of God on your life. And God is knocking on the door of your heart. I want to use you. I actually want you to share me with your mates. I actually want you to put your hand up to serve. I've got men I need you to disciple. And the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart this morning. And I would say, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench what He's wanting to do through your life. Maybe there are women here and you're called by the Spirit of God. You're called to ministry, you're called to preach. And maybe the opinions of people, the, the fears and intimidations of people that people are putting on you are causing you to shrink back. And this morning, the Spirit of God is saying, don't quench me, don't resist me, trust me. Do you believe that I can unfold the call of God on your life? He who calls is faithful, He will do it. Maybe you're someone here and you're feeling like, God, you're drawing me to pray for the sick. There's people in my life that you want me to pray for. You've given me opportunity. I'll never forget um, a moment that I had where God is prompting me to pray for a business in the business. That, and, and I just finally responded to Him and said to the person running it, I just really feel like God wants me to pray for your business. Can I pray? And she's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, now? Yeah, sure. And I started praying and the Spirit of God came into the place. Deep sense of His touch on the business. Deep sense of His touch on the life of the person. Don't quench the Spirit. Maybe God's saying to you, no, do a U-turn. Get out of it. 
No, do a U-turn, get out of this. I never appointed you to be here. I never wanted you here. And you need to respond to His voice, be sensitive to His voice. Don't quench the Spirit. He's doing it because He loves you. Maybe God's saying, stay, I will restore it. And you're making exit plans in your head. God's saying, stay, I'm gonna restore this. Son of man, do you believe that these dry bones can live again? I just need your agreement. Stay, I will restore it. Stop making the exit plans. I wanna restore it, I wanna breathe on it. Don't quench me, don't shut me down. Don't resist Him. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, fan it into flame. Quite the opposite. Don't quench it. Don't pour water over His voice. Don't stop the Holy Spirit's movement in your life. Don't shut Him down. Fan it into flame. More God. I wanna hear Your voice clearer. And do you know, we hear His voice clearer when we act on what He's given us. The more we act on it, the more we actually respond to those promptings. He'll speak more. Just this week, I had um, just an incredible thing happen. It was such a, an amazing blessing to me personally. Um, we've, got, we've got amazing young adults here. Can we just give our young adults an incredible, incredible round of applause? I just love young adults with all my heart. I, I don't have favourite age groups, by the way. I am totally passionate about the Abraham, Isaac and Jacob makeup of our church. I just love the generations. You know, I, I love our youth, but I love our encore age, but I love our kids, but I am passionate about our young adults and our young professionals. And I see God is raising up a new generation that desire to hear His voice and respond to His Spirit. And, that they're, they're becoming bold. They're not worried about what people think. They just wanna actually obey God because they know that that's what matters. The fear of man, it says, the fear of people is a snare. It's a trap, it's like a rabbit trap. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And one of our young adults, and I, I rarely talk to this incredible person and I know of them well to a degree, but I don't interact regularly with them. But just out of the blue, they sent me a little message incredibly honouring, incredibly humble. But they said, I've been prompted to pray with you, pray for you. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you for every single person who's prayed for me. This is a new season for Andrew and I. To pastor in the location that you grew up in is not for the faint-hearted, okay? <laughs> but um, she says, I'm praying for you. And I felt these three things and she gave me two very accurate things. In a spirit of humility, she wasn't weird about it. Very accurate. But the third one, she says, and I feel that you have a friend and she named the friend and said, this person needs you right now. They've resisted hearing about the Lord in a previous era of your life, but they need you now. And I literally had been thinking about this person for two weeks prior and just, nah, I think I'm making it up. I'm not gonna reach out and by name, she responded to the Spirit of God, took a risk. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Don't quench Him, don't throw cold water on Him. You know, He invites us to yield to Him. He's, an, he's, an, he's invitational. Will you yield 
to me? Will you surrender? Will you incline your life to me? Will you lay down your agenda? I often find when I lay down my agenda, His agenda is so much better. And so many of the things I felt and was passionate about in my heart, He brings to fruition anyway. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, I, Paul, his whole life was yielded to the leadings of the Spirit. Don't go here, go here. How is Paul to know that by going here, all of that would be reached anyway? Tell the crew of the ship, not one will lose their life if they listen to what I'm about to say. He yielded his life to the Holy Spirit. He gave him strategy for ministry. You know, there's a a beautiful dance couple, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Have you heard of them? Amazing, absolutely, um, you know, of mythical proportions as dancers. And Ginger Rogers, the woman in the partnership, was incredibly skilled, incredibly able, incredibly well-trained. But the dance required her to yield, not lose her skill, not lose her agency, her identity or her ability. But the dance would be enhanced if she yielded to the leading of Fred Astaire. Do you know the Holy Spirit says the same thing to us? Will you yield to my leading? Will you yield to my touch? Will you be sensitive to what I'm saying? You know, Catherine Kuhlman was an incredible uh, healing ministry in the 20th century. A little unusual, but incredible things that God used her powerfully for. And one of her assistants was asked one time by a journalist, what is the secret of Catherine's power. Like, what is the secret to these healing miracles? And you, you could have, he could have said it was her prayer life, but that was actually unremarkable. She had a prayer life, okay? You need a prayer life. You need to be talking to God. It wasn't her word life, although she had one. She was reading the Scriptures because it's really hard for the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance Scripture when you need it, if it's not there. I wanna encourage you to plant God's Word in your heart. It is amazing the times that God brings to my remembrance something from His Word that is the key into a lock that I need unpicked. It's not any of that. It's actually her willingness and ability to yield to the Holy Spirit to actually yield sensitively to Him. Maybe today you've come and the thing, the the greatest opportunity in your life right now is to yield or surrender in that initial decision to follow Jesus Christ. It's the greatest yielding. It says in Revelations 3.20, Behold, I come, Jesus says, and I stand at the door of your heart. I stand at the door and I knock, and I knock, and I'm asking, would you let me in? I wanna make your life right with me. I wanna put the pieces back together. I want it to make sense again for you, or maybe for the first time. And maybe for you, God has been knocking on the door of your heart, whispering to you in the night hours on your bed when you're sleepless, would you come back to me? Would you come to me? Would you open your heart to me? I just love for every head to be bowed and every eye closed right now because I, while I'm speaking to a very big room today of people that are passionate, we're loving the dynamics in this room, 
but it is a personal decision. Yielding is very personal. You know, saying yes to Jesus and Paul, the writer of the letters I've been reading from, said yes to Jesus Christ. In fact, he had every reason not to. He was actually persecuting the church. Maybe, maybe you've just thought, this is all ridiculous. This is a joke. You've had church experience before, but something deep in your heart knows that God is real and He's calling you today. And He's asking you, will you yield to me? You may not have all the answers. And this is one of those things where you can't defer to the head. You can't defer to the head. Church is not a brains at the door. I certainly wouldn't be involved if that were true. But it is to be, He is to be experienced. God is to be experienced. And so we're gonna pray a prayer today. And it's yielding your life to Him, yielding to those gentle impressions, that, that touch that He's got on your heart, those questions you have. Would you say yes to Him today? We're gonna pray a prayer asking Him in. When you open the door, it says in Revelation 3.20, He comes in. He doesn't wait for you to be cleaned up. He doesn't wait for the situation to be ripe. He just comes in when He's given entry into our hearts and then He takes over. He'll clean you up. He'll make you new. It says, the Bible says, you will be a new creation. The old will be gone, the new will come. You will know a freedom and a peace that you've never known in this place today. Church, let's pray. And if you're praying for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you pray along with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I give You my life. I give You my heart. I open the door. Wash me clean. Make me new. Today, the old is gone. The new has come. Today, I'm Yours. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If today for the first time or the first time in a long time, you've come back to Him, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna bring you out the front, but I actually do wanna see who made that decision today to come back to Him or maybe to come to Him for the first time. You gave your life to Jesus Christ today. It's the best thing you can possibly do. On the count of three, I wanna pray for you. As you do that, would you raise your hand, give me a wave just so I can see it. Thank you, amazing. One, two, thank you, sir. One, two, is there others? One, two, three. Why don't you lift up your hand and join the two that have said yes to Jesus Christ today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Is there anybody else that is gonna join those three people today? And you're saying, yes, I give you my life. I don't wanna shut you out anymore. I don't wanna douse you with water. I don't wanna extinguish your voice. Can I say to you, respond to His voice today. Is there anybody else that wanna join those that have said yes today? Why don't you give me a wave? Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else this morning and you need to say yes to Him? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Can I just ask those three or four people to give me another wave? Thank you. Just give me a wave. Amazing, thank you. I'm gonna pray for these three men today. Amazing men that God's got His hand on. God, I thank you. 
I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You have drawn them. This is not the work of people, God. This was not a good idea today. This was Your doing. And God, I thank You right now that You are sealing that decision in their hearts, Holy Spirit. Lord, that You are making this real to them. I just thank You. There is complex problems related to one of you, that the Holy Spirit's saying, just hold my hand, I'm gonna show you what to do next. I'm gonna show you what to do next. You know, it says, who the sunset free is free indeed. I just believe people that have made that decision today, there is a freedom thing that God wants to set you free from the inside out today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.